At 11.30 in the morning on Sunday, January 26th, Jake and I were sitting in church when we first heard the reports of an unbelievable situation. Once the tragedy had been confirmed and further investigated, the details were incredibly sad. A helicopter crash in an area slightly north of Los Angeles had taken the lives of nine people. Among them were John Altobelli, his wife Carrie, and their daughter Alyssa, Sarah Chester and her daughter Peyton, Christina Mauser, Ara Zabayan, and Kobe and Gianna Bryant. Altobelli has coached baseball at Orange Coast College for 27 years. John and Carrie are survived by two daughters who face a new life without their father, mother, and sister. Sarah and Peyton are survived by husband and father Chris and son and brother Riley. Christina was a basketball coach and leaves behind her husband Matt and their three children ages 3, 9, and 11. Zabayan was the pilot who has flown regularly for Bryant over the years. I felt it was important to first acknowledge the lives of those lost who will not get the same recognition, but whose families are now navigating the same devastating loss experienced by the Bryant family. While Kobe was the central and most widely known figure, each victim of this accident deserves the honor and respect of having their names mentioned and lives remembered. Our hearts, thoughts, and prayers are with all of them. As we transition into focusing on Kobe Bryant, the entirety of this episode is going to be our own personal thoughts and memories of him. And we have the opportunity to share some of the words of some of our friends as well. Our goal is that you would be able to enter into the mourning death and celebrating life processes with us, whether it be through shedding a few more tears, having a few more laughs, being reminded of a few more memories, or learning a few more stories. Jake, when, when you first heard about it, what was your reaction? And then what, what has Kobe meant to you in your life? So my first reaction, of course, was the disbelief because it was first reported by TMZ, which sometimes didn't get things wrong. So I was like, you know what, this could be, this could be just someone, hopefully, just pulling a few rocks. I don't think that's the correct phrase, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, this literally can't be true. Like, there's no way. Like, I could, I couldn't understand it. Uh, friend of the show, Peach, he texted me. I said, I, I know this is, like, you work there. I know this. You you probably believe this right away, but I need to see it first from someone else. I need to see a credible source other than TMZ. And so sitting through church, I kept looking through. I, I shouldn't have, but I was kept looking through Twitter, checking to find any news I can, which at the time I probably shouldn't have. I still took notes on the message, so don't worry. But I probably should have been paying more attention to that. But the devastating news and just – I. I wanted to learn as much as I could and try and figure what is actually happening right away. Because at first I realized it was like a – there was a hashtag and it was um, not Kobe trending. And I was like, what does this even mean? Like this could mean a plethora of things and apparently it was the worst. Um, so just the immediate devastation until we found out that – like until ESPN or a person who worked at ESPN posted, I just couldn't – believe it. I didn't want to believe it. I kept telling myself, no way, no way. And then when the time came and I found an ESPN reporter say it, I'm like, it, it's legit. I I will never go on a helicopter. 
I I wrote this down on Facebook because it it starts what I want to kind of kind of get into and uh, so I started by, started off by saying this: growing up in Los Angeles, growing up in the Los Angeles area, our basketball was Kobe. Today is devastating. I was praying it wasn't true and put it off reading everything I could as long as I could. But to get the news that ESPN confirmed it crushed me. I'll always remember watching him with my grandfather. On and off the court, Kobe changed Los Angeles. He brought forth a mentality that every athlete can relate to. He was the ultimate competitor, and to me, he was basketball. R.I.P. Kobe. Let everyone wear 8 or 24 this week, which a lot of teams did, which I really enjoyed, that people were able to kind of embrace him one last few times. And they will again on the All-Star game. There's a, a tribute they're going to have for him. Um Kind of going back to my early childhood of watching basketball because my family was really into basketball. My my grandpa he he was huge into basketball. Like he the the first time that because he, he's my mom's stepfather, so the first time that they did something on their own was he took her to a Lakers game, and it was really cool. And it was back in like I don't know when that was like probably like the seventies. <laughs> I don't know, um, but it was just a really cool thing because that was their first time to game together, and they were like, my my mom was like, I'm not gonna have anything in common with this guy. This guy's kind of weird. Like, am I gonna like him? And then they went to the game together, and she learned about a lot about him, and she learned a lot about the game of basketball that one trip with him, and it kind of stuck with her as well. So, growing up, we'd watch him, we'd watch basketball, and the one thing that I can remember as a young age because he. As a young age, you don't necessarily remember a lot of players you, or names or anything like that. But I do remember one thing, and my grandpa always yelling, Kobe, you better shoot it, you better shoot it. And sometimes he would be celebrating, and sometimes he'd be like, ah, I told you to shoot it. <laughs> and sometimes it would go in, sometimes it wouldn't. And for me, with my grandpa, he, by the time I was old enough to start following sports and enjoying sports, he started getting ill with it was his second time battling cancer, which resulted to pretty much his last time battling cancer. Um, he he needs someone to be with him almost all the time. So my family, we were with him all. We were with him almost every other night. So we would sit around the TV sometimes watching basketball games. He'd try to stay up as long as he could and watch them, because he had he wouldn't have the fatigue to stay up and watch them. But I would watch them as long as I could, and I remember. It was along the last few years of Kobe. So it wasn't necessarily championship Kobe's, but I do remember the championships very well. The back-to-back with – was it back-to-back with Powell? Yeah. It was back-to-back with Powell. And Powell is one of my favorite car- or favorite, car- just favorite players of all time. And So just the back-to-backs with him, and I was too young to really fathom the, the Shaq days, which sucks now that I look back at them, and I'm like, wow, they were so cool back then, but I couldn't understand them because I was so young. But – to me, Kobe was more than just basketball, though, because I can go talk to friends, and they don't even have to be sports fans. They will know who Kobe Bryant is. They will know who what he's done. They will be like, oh, he's he is the Lakers, even though they don't watch basketball. Everyone knows pretty much at my age, the first person you think of is Kobe because he is who he is. And, well... LeBron's kind of big too now, but you know, <laughs> he's not Kobe Bryant. Well, that's true. 
but they're all both pretty large. And they'll both go down as top three players, hopefully, in my mind. They are already. Um, just, I remember, wa- like, I just remember watching back in the day with my grandpa and learning who Kobe was, him explaining to me, like, why this kid is so good and that he's a kid, literally. Back in the day, him going from being, he was, like, the youngest starter, too, wasn't he? Back his second year he started, he was, like, the youngest starter to play. And it was just so crazy to me that this kid, he was 19 at the time because he was 18 his first season. He he didn't play as much his first season, right? No. And so, like, when he finally became, like, a starter and he started being in the rotation, he was 19, which is crazy to me because, like, at 19, (laughs) there's no way for me to think that I am a professional athlete and, like, I'm not 19, but when I was 19, there was no way of me thinking, I'm a professional athlete. I'm doing all this, and oh, man, it's just crazy to me to think that this kid was put into such big shoes, and he not only filled the shoes, but he he later on created his own shoes, pretty much. He All the expectations we had for him were blown away, because... We we didn't – Charlotte drafted him, and then we traded – I don't know what we traded for him, but it was a great trade for us. Good job, us. <laughs> Eddie Jones was part of it. I well, know, that was later. Just kidding. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the first. Vladi Divac, sorry. Mm. Well, it was worth it in the long run, <laughs> I'd say. Yeah. He brought five championships to the city of Los Angeles, which is crazy to do in a 20-year span, let alone his – he was only, I mean, I, he was elite all of them, never mind. <laughs> but it's just, he's more the basketball to a lot of us growing up because he was the face of Los Angeles in a way. You can go, you can go around right now probably. I mean, right now especially, but, but even back before that, you'd see murals all around of him and other Lakers doing their thing. And a lot of them, you'd be like, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? But people automatically will recognize it and be like, that's Kobe Bryant. That is Los Angeles. It's. I'm glad in a way that we haven't had a Laker game yet because it's going to be kind of weird. Even though he's not playing, even though he's not always there, it's still weird to think that he won't be there again. And one of the best things I heard over the weekend was, did you watch Shaq talk? Shaq's? So Shaq, his first few lines were talking about how this summer he would have been inducted to the Hall of Fame. Most He would have been. (laughs) Not most likely. He would have been a unanimous pick for the Hall of Fame. And what sucks most about what happened is that Shaq said, we're not going to be able to joke about it. We're not going to be able to talk about how... We, how we could have won 10 if we would have stayed together. <laughs> he was able to joke that he got there first or kind of something like that. Or he can't joke around with his brother, his friend, that he can't. His Hall of Fame, we are missing out on a great Hall of Fame speech. <laughs> um, The other night I was watching some of the videos he had on YouTube where he just kind of did like his motivation speaking. Have you like seen his motivation speaking ones? Some of them. 
So they're great. They're just like 45 second videos, and they're just like him talking to other like big name people, like well, the Kanye. Is a scripted commercial, but it's still entertaining. That kind of crushed it a little bit, but it's still Sorry. pretty good. <laughs> but like the one with Kanye West, where it's like, can you be, what was it? Can you be a beast in the same, or can you be a beast in the same animal, or something like that, or a different animal at the same time? And it was just him kind of capitalizing on what the Mamba mentality is, which is the state of mind of being all in and being so focused on something to me. And that was something that I took to heart, and I still take to heart when I do stuff. That's all I have to say at the moment. So... I will also start when finding out, um, getting the first report from Tom Kell, who was on the show recently, sent me a text saying Kobe dies in helicopter crash. And I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Um, and then kind of the same process as Jake sitting there in church, not really paying attention to what is being said anymore because now I have to make sure that this is either true or it isn't, um, praying that it wasn't. Um, and then over the course of the next 10 to 15 minutes, finding out that it definitely was true that Kobe was gone. And even saying that now is still unbelievable. Mm. It doesn't make sense because he's still so present. Um, all I've been doing the last five days is watching videos and listening to people talk about him. Um, that day Sunday after I got home from church, I just recorded everything on ESPN and NBA TV that day to make sure that I was seeing what everybody was saying and what they were thinking and what was going on. Um, the next day I recorded first take around the horn PTI high noon, all those shows to make sure that I knew what was going on. Um, I wasn't even home Monday night. I didn't get home till Tuesday night. So but even still like Sunday night, I fell asleep watching reaction Monday night. I fell asleep listening to podcasts about the reaction Tuesday and Wednesday night. I fell asleep watching more and, um, the reality is still weird. It's still every day it hits a little bit harder um, because something just saying the words that Kobe is gone, Kobe's dead. Um, every day something about that seems um, seems not real but then seems more real. The more we talk about it, the more I see people react. And so that's been the hardest part the last four days is like watching watching all these people react and just be in a state of shock and disbelief. Like You switch from doubt to anger to sadness to frustration, all those things, everything that's part of the grieving process. Um, there's no particular order, but for the most part you feel all those things. And so I'm still in that. Um, I was 10 when Kobe was drafted. I that that first summer league, 
that he went to in 1996 because the main summer league now is in Las Vegas, but in 1996, we had the summer league here in Long Beach at the Pyramid at Long Beach State. Oh, wow. And so me and my friend Chris, we went to it. And there was rookie Kobe. There was rookie Derek Fisher. They were both drafted in the first round of that year's draft. And, like, I distinctly remember seeing Kobe and watching him dunk during layup lines. Um, I don't remember anything else about that summer league and not much else about the first year. But, like, when I was 10 years old, that really was the start of me really paying attention to sports. Mm. Um, The very first Super Bowl I watched was the year before, um, the Niners and Chargers. Um, And then, so, like, that was the first time that, like, football actually was a thing for me. I remember watching the Lakers with Nick Van Exel, Eldon Campbell, Vladi Divac, Eddie Jones, those guys. And then so when we draft Kobe and we trade Divac as part of that, we acquire Kobe on draft day. Like, I distinctly remember that. I actually really liked Vladi Divac. Um, and, and so, like, I remember that meaning something and us getting Shaq and all of a sudden, like, oh, man, we have – this is going to be a crazy team. And, like, you didn't know. you Like, we, as a 10-year-old, I couldn't know what Kobe was going to become. Um, but just the hype – of like, because at that time there still hadn't been that many high school guys drafted, like Moses Malone from a while ago, and then like Kevin Garnett was a huge deal, um, and then Kobe. Like that was basically the list of insane high school guys that were drafted. And when Kobe made his debut at the time, he was the youngest player in the history of the NBA. Um, these two guys have been a little bit younger than that since then, but. Like, that's an insane thing to think about. And so I I don't have full detailed memories of early on, but, like, I remember the dunk contest. I remember when he was one of the first guys to go between his legs and throw down a dunk, mm-hmm. and then he walked walked away from that dunk, arms outstretched downwards, flexing, scowling, um, just showing that swagger that, like, it was confidence and you could say arrogance, but, like, he knew how good he was, and he was that good. And and you couldn't help but just, like, love that in that moment. Um, even still early on, I mean, relatively early in their careers, like, I remember, I remember where I was in the house of a couple friends of our family. We were at their house during the Western Conference Finals when the Lakers were playing the Trailblazers. And the Lakers made the comeback, and Kobe lobbed it to Shaq. Like, I was in the living room and watched that happen and completely flipped out. Like, I can't believe that play just happened. I can't believe we just made this comeback. Like, I distinctly remember that moment. Um, And so my entire sports-watching life, my entire basically athletic playing career has coincided with Kobe's professional basketball career Um, and that's a crazy thing to reflect on now that at the end of it like Kobe still mattered Kobe's been retired for four going on five years now Kobe still matters like some dudes retire and they just kind of go off into the abyss Um, some dudes are like overbearing we we had gotten to a point with Kobe where 
his career ended feeling like at the right time. And then he entered this new stage of life where he was still involved and important in the NBA, but not to a point where it was like, all right, we're, we've had enough of Kobe. Like he somehow, he knew the perfect amount of like, I underst- he understood he was still an ambassador for the league. He was still an ambassador for the team. He was still an ambassador for the game and would be available and present when it mattered. But it wasn't going to continue to define him and continue to consume all of him. Um, as we look at what he did post-NBA career, he was he was at the start of an incredible life yeah. of being a dad, being a creator, being being an influencer in a way that is way more important and way more effective than what a lot of social media influencers are. Kobe genuinely was influencing the lives of millions of people. And so even still looking back on his on other parts of his career, like when the falling out, quote-unquote, of him and Shaq, that you have to be of a certain age and to have watched and appreciated to be like, that was an actual huge argument in the sports world and especially in LA, like who Shaq was at that time, Kobe was not this like smiley, lovable, affable person. Um, as much as he loved the game, he was intense. The game was all about, he needed to be the best and he was the best. And when you have the personality of Shaq and the personality of Kobe, those two things, butt heads almost 100% of the time. And so there was this huge, like it was Kobe versus Shaq, Kobe versus Shaq, and this isn't going to work out long run. Like they should figure it out. They should make it work because we would win every year all the time. But a lot of people wanted to keep Shaq. A lot of people wanted to keep mm-hmm. Kobe. And I was 100% on the Kobe train the entire time um, without a single doubt. The rumors later on of him wanting to sign, not rumors, like he legitimately almost signed with the Clippers. Um, and there were a couple other things along the way that that would have been really, really upsetting as a Laker fan. And that was at a time when free agency really was starting to be more of a thing. Um, but Kobe, in the end, Kobe talked to the right people and made the decision to stick around and continue to be the Lakers icon. And... That's what a lot of people in L.A. needed um, to have this figure. Like, besides really, I mean, Magic, um, I don't know, you can go back to, like, Jerry West. I was played Jerry his West. whole career, and Elgin Baylor, I think, played his whole career with us. Um, but at a time when that wasn't happening anymore, like, Shaq is one of the at least 10 greatest basketball players of all time, or 10 greatest NBA careers of all time, like, most dominant, whatever. Shaq played on five or six different teams. Um, you look at people like Ken Griffey Jr. in baseball. He ended up playing on four different teams. You look at even like Barry Bonds is up there as one of the greatest of all time. He switched teams. Like you have some of these greatest athletes. Wayne Gretzky, by far the most dominant player in the history of any of the four competitive sports. Gretzky played on four different teams. Like the greatest of all time even move and play for different teams. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played on multiple teams. Will Chamberlain played on multiple teams. And Kobe didn't do that. And that really, I mean, 
Tim Duncan also, 20 years for the same team. Dirk Nowitzki, 20 years for the same team. And that's it. That's a very short list in the last 30 years of basketball that there are three guys who were at the elitist level mm-hmm. of their sport and stayed with the same team. That means something. That meant something to us as L.A. fans. And and it was really cool to watch to watch Kobe grow and mature and become this this hero. People have thrown that word around a lot, and obviously there are different ways to interpret that word. Um, but he really was an outsized figure mm. and somebody that a lot of us looked up to, um, not because he was the best person ever while he was playing, but just you could tell how he played that he was giving his all 100% of the time and that he was doing everything he could to be the best basketball player in the world so that his team could win. That that was never in doubt. You could get mad at the process. You could get mad at how he treated some of his teammates. You could get You could disagree with a lot of those things, but you cannot disagree with the fact that he was who he was because he wanted to win, and the best way he could think of to win was to be the best that ever was. And that's that's how that's how it was with Kobe, and that was never a question. Um, and so that I think is what a lot of people latch on to. And um, it was just cool to watch to watch him <coughs> to watch the process to have him change his number. Like he got criticized a ton for that, but like it meant something to him to to kind of leave his old self behind and and create this new self really like that's when the black mamba thing really took off um his all of a sudden he started scowling at random times the the jersey pulling and biting were things that weren't that didn't happen when he was 20 years old um and to just see him become this otherworldly figure to see him grow from this exuberant overconfident young guy that just steps on the court and just demands the attention to being the older statesman guiding the rest of the team through just sheer leadership and determination. Um, it was an incredible spectacle to watch for 20 years. Um, Crazy. And, and I'm not... One of the greatest things about him as he retired and moved on it was rough for a lot of us when LeBron came to LA. Um, I'll be the first person to tell you that I hated that move. I did not want it um, for several reasons. I haven't been the biggest fan of LeBron over the years for various reasons. And at the time I thought we had a roster that was young and capable of growing together and doing great things. And LeBron came in and changed a lot of that. And I wasn't super stoked about it. And there were a lot of people all around L.A. who were voicing opinions like that. And it was really a LeBron versus Kobe situation that the fans, like myself, took up. And what's really interesting about that is Kobe never did that. At no point, as soon as LeBron got here, it's not like Kobe was part of the wooing process. Kobe was not involved in bringing LeBron here. But once LeBron got here... Kobe embraced it. Kobe 
was willing to pass that torch on to LeBron. Kobe knows what it takes to be the icon of the Lakers for a stretch of time. And LeBron knew what he was getting into. Um, and Kobe personally like helped that process along. Mm-hmm. And and it's crazy to reflect on that and to think like, okay, what what was I doing? If Kobe himself was willing to say it's LeBron's time. Because that's something that Jordan never would have done. Yeah. And they tell the story of, so LeBron, the night before, LeBron passed Kobe for third all-time on the scoring list. And in response, Kobe tweeted encouragement at LeBron for it. And again, this is the night before Kobe dies. And so the circumstances of that are just insane, that LeBron passes Kobe in Philadelphia where Kobe grew up and that Kobe responds not just positively, but embracingly, warmingly, encouragingly. Um, and, <laughs> and that's nothing like Michael Jordan wouldn't have done that. Like Jordan wanted to be the best, believed he was the best. No one was ever going to step up to him. And, and that's not like, I don't think it's bad for Jordan to feel that. I don't think Jordan would have been obligated to be like, oh yeah, these new guys, they're up here now and they're good and whatever. Like, I don't think, I don't think Kobe was obligated to accept that this stuff with LeBron, but Kobe, that's just who he was. He knew his time had passed and he truly does want the next generation to be better than him. Mm. Um, Even though LeBron's not that much younger, LeBron's about seven years younger than Kobe, seven or eight years. And they played against each other a lot. That's still like the next generation down. Him, Carmelo, Dwayne Wade, those guys. Those guys all looked up to Kobe. And Kobe spent the time, like, maybe not full-on mentoring them, but definitely sharing wisdom with them and encouraging them and how to be better and how to carry the torch on and how to represent the league well. And, And that's crazy to think about probably the most competitive if not one of the most competitive men to have ever played this game as he stepped away was willing to push the next generation ahead of himself um that's that's crazy um and lebron told the story right after um, you should go back and listen to the whole he gave a solid several minutes um but quickly told the story of being at the 2001 All-Star Game in Philadelphia Mm -hmm. when he was 15 years old. And Kobe gave LeBron his shoes. And LeBron tells the story, LeBron was a size 15 at the time, and Kobe was a size 14, so the shoes didn't fit. But at LeBron's next game, he wore those shoes, Um, even though it was uncomfortable and wouldn't hurt and whatever. Um, That's how much respect and how honored he felt to have been with Kobe. And that's how those guys felt for a long time. Um, I think that is a huge testament to who Kobe truly was as a competitor, as a basketball player, as one of the greatest of all time, and as a person. And um, a couple guys mentioned later on that like a big shift in who he was and how he went about the game was marrying Vanessa and having his daughters. And the kind of the quote the quote that came out that you mentioned earlier that he was still the same animal just a different kind of beast 
Um, he was still the same Mamba. He was still, if you were on the court together, he was still going to cut your throat. But afterwards, he was willing to teach you how to cut someone else's throat. Um, he was willing to include more people into his life. He was willing to reach out and be somebody for people in a way that he didn't do when he was younger. Um, and so that's a testament to, to who he went on to be into retirement. And so, like you said earlier, Jake with the Hall of Fame, like that's the there would have been a day to have celebrated him like we are doing now, but in a way that he would have been able to appreciate. Mm. Um, in front of all of these people, in front of all of these legends, in front of all of these fans, to be able to be there and celebrate him to his face. Um, that's that's what's so special about the Hall of Fame ceremonies, is like that is the time when, when the best who have ever done it and the fans, the people who have spent years watching when they can come together and celebrate this one time. Um, we're, we are truly missing out on, on that day. And so we're doing that now. We're celebrating it now. We're remembering him now. And hopefully he knew that. Hopefully all of these people in his life had the opportunity recently to to show him love from his last game. He was celebrated a ton with scoring those 60 points in his last game to when both of his jerseys were retired at Staples Center. Like Those were special moments that the L.A. community specifically got to celebrate with him. Mm. Um, but the way, he, the way he impacted the world, you can just, the last four days, you can see people from all over the world um, Neymar scoring a goal and throwing up a 2-4. Um, there was another soccer clip of somebody in either Europe or South America, or I don't know where, but a randomest place, and dudes bring out a Kobe jersey at the end of it to honor him. Um, you've got memorials up at LA Live by Staples Center. You've got at the Grammys, Alicia Keys comes out, and Boys mm -hmm. to Men come out and do a song tribute to him. You've got in Philadelphia, outside Lower Marion High School, they're mm -hmm. paying tribute to him. Every every team in the league did something about it. The Ducks at their game last night acknowledged it. So, like, he's going beyond sports. At the Pro Bowl, they mentioned it. Um, so, from sport to sport, industry to industry, um, Kobe was being remembered. Kobe's presence was being acknowledged. And that's one of the most unique things that I have ever seen. Mm. Um, there have been great, significant sports losses um, with people either in their prime or nearing the end of their careers or after they've retired. Um, one that was before my time, well, there are two that are before my time. Uh, one that I didn't know a ton about, Thurman Munson was a catcher for the Yankees, um, a beloved character. And a lot of people would put him as an all-time great. But his his death rattled a lot of people. Um, Roberto Clemente was an outfielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates mm. in the 70s. And he had, three, he had exactly 3,000 career hits. And he was from Puerto Rico. <coughs> and in the offseason, he, he got on a plane to take supplies to Nicaragua because they had been ravaged by something. And so he was 
fulfilling a duty he felt to go help, and he died in a plane crash. And that rocked the sports world at the time. And then almost 20 years ago now, um, at the Daytona 500, Dale Earnhardt, on one of the last turns of the race, crashes into the wall. And then later that day at the press conference, the phrase, we've lost Dale Earnhardt. Like, I, I remember that day. Um, guys who, not necessarily in the primes of their careers, but, like, Dale Earnhardt was was racing at that time. Like, everyone either loved or hated him, but everyone was impacted by him. And so we have these moments of, of these people who are important figures in their individual stories sports and that's what Kobe was this huge figure in his sport one of the greatest of all time but his but his death unlike theirs his death goes so beyond that and part of that has to do with us being in this new age of information and and we have access to everything all the time but a lot of it has to do with who he was and just Mm -hmm. how he went about life and how he went about doing what he did um, listening to people talk, I've, like I mentioned, I've, all I've been doing the last four days is just watching videos and watching interviews. So like the first day Jay Williams came on and was super emotional and, and really wanted to make sure everybody just put down their beefs, put down all of the crap that's going on in their life and just loved the people around them. Stephen A. Smith, who is somebody that I generally cannot listen to he is a little bit too much for me Mm. broken down consistently using the word devastated watching him get up on tv um was really powerful um during first take two on monday morning him and max kellerman mike greenberg came on and and just the way that they shared max kellerman talked about his his first thought was of kobe as a father um and just what this would mean to Vanessa and the other kids. Ramona Shelburne has covered Kobe basically her whole his whole career in LA and knew what he meant to LA and she was on the scene later that day and just in shock I heard her talk a couple times. Bill Plaschke who started as a sports columnist in LA roughly around the start of Kobe's career and they were very close. He wrote a couple fantastic articles uh, for the LA Times this week. Um, watching around the horn in PTI and, and people just sharing. And and then, like you mentioned, on TNT Tuesday night, having Ernie Johnson there to, like, mediate this night when the Lakers should were scheduled to play the Clippers. And and instead, they just they had an hour pregame um, before the first game that night. And it started with just Ernie, Shaq, um, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, and Dwayne Wade, and each of them shared. And like you said about Shaq, that was incredibly difficult to watch. Out of all of those guys there, Shaq lived basketball life with Kobe day in and day out for several years. Um, and and for him to talk about, like Shaq has a, a younger brother, an actual younger brother, but to talk about losing a younger brother and losing a niece and just how that wrecked him and and um, Kenny Smith, too, connecting with the father thing. And Charles Barkley just saying, like, as soon as I found out, I, I cried. This is somebody that I'm not even, like, close to. Um, Barkley talked about knowing-ish Kobe, but not really. 
and and he just felt like he lost a member of his family, this greater NBA family, this fraternity that all these guys are a part of, knowing how important Kobe was, and that brought him to tears. And Dwayne Wade, just looking back on on spending his entire career just wanting to earn Kobe's respect and telling a couple amazing stories. Um, and then later on, Jerry West coming in, and Jerry West talking yeah. about how he he genuinely felt like a father to Kobe for several years. And and just the devastation of that, like even though obviously they're not related by blood, like that's a kid that he met when he was young, watched him grow, helped guide him through some of the toughest parts of his life, gave him wisdom for over 20 plus years, and then he's just gone. Um, watching Jerry West talk was one of the hardest parts of the whole process. Later on, Derek Fisher came on. Rick Fox came on and somehow Rick Fox's name got associated with the helicopter and people thought that he was on it too. So then Rick Fox had to talk about what that was like for his family and friends to, to think that he was gone and to have to reconcile that whole situation. It was just, if you haven't seen it, you should look up the videos on TNT um, and see what they all had to say because it it's incredible television. It's emotional it's touching it's all of those things and you learn a lot about kobe and i think that's one of the most important parts of what what is what has been happening this week is we all get to learn all these things about kobe i've been sharing nonstop on my instagram every every time there's some kind of kobe highlight kobe interview somebody reacting to kobe like i'm reposting it because i'm i'm loving learning all these things seeing all these videos i've never seen before and being able to share in that um, even tonight, I'm pretty sure I'm going to try to go up to L.A. for the first time and, and see um, what the scene is outside Staples Center up at L.A. Live. Um, and so, I don't know. I know I've said a lot, but there are times I'm just at a loss. Mm. Every day this week when I've seen somebody kind of new, um, or if it's the first time I've seen them since, this weekend, they'll be like, how are you doing? And I have to say, it's been a rough week. I mean, I, I didn't know Kobe, clearly. I'd never met him. I've never talked to him. He has not been an actual member of my life. But I've spent the last 24 years greatly influenced by him, watching him do what he does, watching him attack life. And it hasn't been as inspiring as it should have been. I've, I've definitely taken him for granted because you just expect that he's going to be around for another 40 plus years. Mm -hmm. You expect that you are going to get to see, get to see him share his wisdom, get to accomplish all these things, win more Oscars, do whatever he's going to be, raise these amazing children, be in their lives, love his, his wife and his family, contribute to however many future generations. You just expect that. And it's it's not going to happen. That's the most shocking part of all of that is all of these things that were for sure going to happen um, aren't. And because the, the NBA as a league is so good at keeping their legends around, um, we've gotten to watch Bill Russell grow old. We've gotten to watch Jerry West grow old. We've gotten to watch Julius Irving grow old. We get... To, all of these guys that are still integral parts of the game, Dominique Wilkins, Charles Barkley, Isaiah Thomas, Larry Bird, they're all still around all of the time. And that's what we were expecting out of Kobe. We were going to 
watch Kobe and Dwayne Wade and all these guys as they enter retirement and still be around to be terrific ambassadors for the league and be in these incredible examples of loving life too. We get to watch these commercials with, with Dwayne Wade and, and his wife, Gabrielle Union, and they're just entertaining. And we get to watch LeBron and Wade and Tracy McGrady and these guys be with their kids and watch them just enjoy their kids' lives, some of them in basketball, some of them not. And that's just what you expected to have Kobe do. And that's the biggest shock. We got to see his whole career. We get to replay every highlight. That will be forever with us. Every interview he's ever done, all of those things. Like, we get to hold on to those forever. That part was not cut short. What was cut short is everything that he was going to be able to do that was even greater um, moving forward. And I think that's the that's the hardest part of this whole thing is knowing how much life he had in front of him mm-hmm. and that that is not going to to be a possibility anymore. Um, so I'm just, that's the part that I wrestle with now is it's still unbelievable that he's not here. And that's that's going to be the toughest reality to accept. What? Did you have? Yeah. So kind of when you were talking, I I thought about some more things. And um, one thing that was pointed out to me more recently because of people or other players coming out and talking about him was how many summers he would take just training young guys, like these young, all like these young stars of the league, like Trey young, um, like Trey Young, Jason Tatum, and Devin Booker, just all these young names who are already kind of household names, but they're getting better and better every summer because they are working with him. And they taught him, like he was teaching them how to be not just a player, but be a person too. And they were saying like how impactful he was to them on and off the court. And it was just crazy to me that, and now, like, we look at Trey Young, who he spent summers with working, who's now – is he a starter for an All-Star? Yeah. Yeah, starting All-Star at, like, his second year in the league, right? Yeah. Or third, second year in the league, which is crazy and awesome. And he said that a lot of it was because of the hours he spent with Kobe and grinded with him and learned how to be not just a basketball player but a man. And I, another strong thing I saw was – from like Larry Nance Jr., who played with him for a lot of years, who they during the tribute he broke down and he sat out for like half the game because he then they just let him and just because he he played with him he like he was sharing a lot of videos and stuff with him lately where there I think it was like Kobe's last game where he immediately goes up and they hug each other and it's just like that was so much raw emotion right there where it's just like these two lived. And played together like they they were friends and he he's like we just see like these players who we just know and love that just devastated because of this we saw on the day of we saw um tyson chandler right yeah uh, just him on the bench just destroyed and we just see all these people just 
and pure emotion because of the loss of not just the player but the man because we look at the player and we see the accomplishments but as the man we don't get to see we got cut short by how great this man could have been or is because there's so much more left in the tank that was taken away I, as a last thought regarding um, some of those events, I I understand, but I'm bummed that the NBA chose to play games on Sunday. Um, the news came out basically right before one of the games started, and there were a total of eight games on Sunday. And it seemed very obvious that people were not ready to be on the court like you just so many of these guys grew up with Cody Kobe as their idol and to have to go out and do this thing with that weight on them was clearly just really difficult some people were still able to put on incredible performances Trey Young goes out there and he scores 46 points on 25 shots on 24 shots um, the first he was the first player in NBA history to record a forty point a forty five point double double on less than twenty five shots, and he shot eighty one percent from the free throw line. So taking twenty four shots, shooting eighty one percent from the free throw line is crazy. Um, and then Devin Booker that day also scored thirty five points on some also on exactly twenty four shots. Crazy. And so for them both to take exactly 24 shots and then to combine for 81 points um, is, it was just, yeah, it was incredible. But it just felt like, and a lot of people would say, Kobe would want us to play. But if Kobe were the one on the court right after, like within a couple years of Jordan retiring and Jordan had died, I don't think Kobe would have wanted to play that game. Um, or if in a similar situation, if like if Shaq had died a couple years after mm-hmm. retirement, like guys would not, the mentality of Kobe, yes, to honor Kobe, go out and play the game and be the best you can possibly be. That's the way all of us can best mourn Kobe is to attack life and do what we do to the best of our ability at all times. But I think everybody could have used one day. Mm. I think we could have used one day to just let everyone gather their thoughts. For people like Carmelo and Doc Rivers and all these people to have to talk and respond to that, to play a game, to somehow coach this game, to tell your players somehow motivate them to go do something. Carmelo said, that was the hardest game I've ever had to play. Um, Popovich said, we lost, but who cares? Like, to have these guys literally not care about the outcome. Like, why are you even playing the game when they couldn't? Mike Breen, and play-by-play for ESPN, started his telecast with something like, I don't even know why we're here right now. Um, I just felt like they needed to take one day off. And... And for the Lakers, like, I totally like, – it would have been insane if the Lakers and Clippers had played on Tuesday. I don't know how yeah. any of those people would have been able to do it. I don't know how the Lakers are going to play tomorrow. Like, I I wouldn't be against them just 
canceling tomorrow's game too. Like the Lakers over everybody get to take as much time as they want. If they want to take a month off, then they should get to take a month off. Like that's the devastation of this is so tough. And so, I mean, some of the guys like Charles was like, no, I would want to be out there playing. Like I understand some people would be able to do that, but it felt like most guys were just not able to do it. So I'm bummed. It would have created some logistical issues. You already had tens of thousands of people in the stadium ready to go. I'm pretty sure they would have understood. Um, so out of all of that, I was, I was kind of bummed about that. Um, do you have any final words before we read? I, I think that like with this, even know how devastating it was, I think it's also going to light a candle under some people though too, and they're just going to go off, I hope. And honestly, I, I like going into the season, I was like, you know, the Lakers have a chance. And this, now I'm like this, like we have to win it this year in a way. <laughs> like, I just feel like this is definitely our year now where it's like, we're going to do it for him. And I hope, I really hope it happens because, like LeBron James said, it's like, I'm going to do it for him pretty much. Or it's like, he's going to go out every single time when he wears the, when he wears our jersey, he's going to be going out to play for him. It's going to be going. The city needs it. <laughs> the fans need it. <laughs> so I hope it happens. It would be an amazing story, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was too hard. Yeah. I don't think – I think winning would be incredible. I think not winning would not be terrible. But So we're going to share um, some of the – some of you who are listening sent some stuff. We specifically asked for people to, if they had thoughts, memories, and things they wanted to share, and we would read them. So that's what we're going to do now. Um, the first person I want to acknowledge is my friend Lindsay, who he was one of my best friends. Um, a while ago, we were close at church together. We hung out all the time. And then, you know, life takes people separate ways, and I hadn't talked to him in at least three or four years, if not longer. And... And Lindsay is not a sports fan. He doesn't care about basketball. We spent one day shooting free throws, and I taught him how to shoot a free throw, and that's probably the last time he shot a free throw was almost 15 years ago. Um, I told him whatever. And, but he knew, like, the news of Kobe was enough, and he knew how important it was to me for him to reach out and send me a message. And I think that is a testament to who Kobe was and the impact he had that somebody who did not care about basketball, did not care about sports, but who cared enough about me and knew that I cared to reach out um, and talk. And so that, Lindsay, thank you for that. Um, the first one I'm going to read is from my friend Raymond, who, who was processing through stuff on Monday. And um, he sent me this message. I lost it. I was prepared earlier. 
Okay, that doesn't want to be found. This is dumb. Here we go. Dude, I don't think I've ever felt this way about someone passing that I didn't know. Mm. I keep seeing all this stuff on TV and social media, and I can honestly say I'm holding back tears. I saw my mom cry during Michael Jackson's funeral procession, and I didn't fully get it. She grew up with him. I think I understand now. I was in sixth grade when he first started in the NBA. I saw most of his games, even though I'm not a Laker fan. He made me want to watch. And I hated how he was so damn good and wanted to see someone finally stop him. And I respected him even more because he never let anyone do it. He wouldn't. I saw his very last game at a bar 20 years later, and I hurried to get there to make sure I didn't miss it. Now to see people legit all over the world and in all different sports or aspects of life pay respects is crazy. He was L.A. He was global. And to know his 13-year-old daughter has gone with him, along with the other victims. His girl looked legit like she wanted to carry the basketball legacy. Mm. And it's a twist of the dagger. I'm in my truck just rambling in front of the gym, and this still feels surreal. Different. He made everyone all over the world want to pick up a ball and be him. Shoot everything that can be made into a ball, into any type of basket, and yell, Kobe. This hurts. The idea of wanting to be him, um, I meant to say this earlier, Max Kellerman kind of brought it up. In the early 90s, one of the biggest ad campaigns in the world was Be Like Mike. Like, everyone knew what that meant in the world. After the Dream Team, all of this stuff, everyone knew who Michael Jordan was. And the phrase, be like Mike, everyone wanted to be like Mike. And then Max Kellerman said, but only one person in the world had the audacity and confidence to actually do it. Everyone else, like, everyone else could have trained hard they could have tried to mimic they could have tried to do all of this stuff kobe bryant was the only player since michael jordan to actually do everything michael jordan did and possibly do it better there are videos online of you can watch kobe and jordan side by side and it is identical mm-hmm. and that again is a testament to the Mamba mentality of Kobe deciding early on everyone else can pretend that they're going to be like Mike. They can dream about being like Mike. I am actually going to do it. Nothing is going to stop me from getting there and I'm going to do it better. Mm -hmm. And he possibly did. And that's insane. Um, From another friend, Daniel. What I loved about Kobe was how much he would lock down, just take every game like it was his last. And he was that instant killer, how he would always play sick or hurt. And to that point, one of my favorite moments was when he made the two free throws after his torn Achilles. Mm. That's a, that was a short message. But like that moment, I heard Pat McAfee talk about it a day or two ago. And like a torn Achilles is something that people don't walk away from Mm -hmm. it's something that requires an insane amount of rehab it ends people's careers it's incredibly painful and kobe stood up 
walked off the court, walked back on the court, <coughs> not only shot the two free throws, but made the two free throws, and then walked off the court again with a torn Achilles. That is a image that will live on for quite some time. From Cody. Some people have an incredible work ethic, but little talent. Others have all the talent in their world and choose to rest on their laurels. Kobe Bryant was the shining example of what it looks like when someone with immense talent works harder than anyone in the building. His message of hard work and dedication expands far beyond the basketball court and shows us all the magic we can make when we put 110% effort into our passions. His body may be gone, but his character will never be forgotten. From Ronan. Kobe always seemed like someone who would never leave, never be gone. I feel like he meant so many different things to so many different people, which is why so many different people are sad, because he impacted so many different areas of everyday life. From Tim. In many ways, I'm sadder today than the week my dad died. As someone who was born and raised in L.A., yet spent large chunks of my life talking basketball and business with my family and friends in Indonesia, I can't say enough about the countless stories I've heard about Kobe's impact on the millions of families and businesses in our city and our globe. Still, in my humble opinion, his humility as a husband and father was his greatest contribution to society. His passion, dedication, joy, and work ethic have shaped me for over 20 years. His impact on the person I've become and continue to strive to be is immeasurable. My devotion to my career as a school teacher, people's marriages, people's careers, and their deepest desires are all inspired by Kobe Bryant. My commitment to the purposeful lives of all the people of Los Angeles, from the impoverished to the wealthy, is inextricably linked to Kobe's leadership and commitment to excellence. Mm. When I am tempted to think I've done all I can to serve others or have nothing left to offer, I typically think immediately about how Kobe would push even harder and do one more thing for his team and earlier in his career just for the trophies. Kobe's advocacy for physical and mental health later in his career have even had an effect on my own work and life balance. From Mateo. Growing up in a Laker family, Kobe was always the one I looked up to. In the Bay Area, kids always looked up to San Francisco giant Tim Lincecum or warrior Steph Curry. But for me, Kobe's relentless competitive drive and his sense of humor mixed in with his nasty Mamba mentality inspired me. As I grew older, I learned more about his grind outside of scheduled practice, his philosophy, and the respect he gained from players and coaches around the world. That made me fall in love with him even more. The first time I ever got to choose my basketball jersey number was in third grade. I dug through the jersey bin for 20 minutes until I could find a number 24 in my size. To this day, I have never changed my number, and I'm proud to represent the Long Beach Pyramid Scheme with that 2-4 on my back.
Anthony wrote an article that actually got um, published online. And so I'm just going to read the article, and it talks about um, he kind of focuses on the fatherhood aspect at the end. This past Sunday morning, when the world learned of Kobe Bryant's tragic passing, I was celebrating the 40th anniversary of Saddleback Church with my family. But throughout the service, as we started to receive alerts about Bryant's death, the mood of the congregation shifted from celebratory to somber. Shaken by the heartbreaking news, I walked out of service to the Sunday school classroom to pick up my daughter, and that's when it hit me. In his final moments, Bryant experienced every parent's worst nightmare. He was with his daughter Gianna as the helicopter came crashing down, knowing that he couldn't do anything to save her. I've been a Laker fan all of my life, but while walking down to the Sunday school room to get my daughter on that terrible day, it wasn't Bryant or as many accolades that consumed my mind. It was my daughter. I couldn't help but get emotional when she ran up to me with open arms, saw my sadness, and asked what was wrong. When I told her the truth of what had happened to Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter, I could see her look at me differently. Her joy turned to sorrow, and what she said to me next will stick with me forever. Gazing into my eyes, she said, Dad, that's like if you and I were on a plane together and it crashed. That would mean it would just be Mommy, Landon, and Jesse left. She looked pensive as she finished her thought. It's a good thing she was with her dad. As my 10-year-old hugged me tightly, I couldn't stop thinking about how this is what Bryant must have been doing during the last seconds of his life. Being a father during times like these puts the significance of the dad's role in the family into perspective. For the rest of the day, I couldn't stop seeing that image of Bryant hugging his daughter as the helicopter fell and thinking of my children. The news of his passing prompted challenging questions from my kids, and I was faced with the option of whether to deflect their real wonderings or take it as an opportunity to tell them some trying truths. Choosing the latter we started to dive deeper into honest conversations. And in doing so, the crux of their fears was revealed. They weren't afraid of dying. They were worried about losing their dad. The more they thought about what happened to Gianna, the more their empathy for the Bryant family became evident as they thought about what it would be like to be fatherless. Sometimes as fathers, we take the simple joys for granted and neglect to value the importance of our presence in our kids' lives. But what Bryant's death and the conversations that spurred showed me is that our children need us more than we realize. Sadly, tragedies like the one that took place this Sunday happen every day, all the time. Still, many of us need to be personally affected by such an event before we wake up and realize the gravity of a father's influence on his family. Bryant's sudden passing is a sobering reminder that tomorrow is not promised. We may only have today to be a loving father and show our kids what it means to follow Jesus. When my daughter looked at me and said, it's a good thing she was with her dad, I realized something. Even at her young age, my daughter knows that no matter what circumstances she faces, as long as she has her dad, she can get through it. If it were up to me, my kids would never experience pain. But it's far more important that I be there for them every step of the way when troubles come than to try and prevent bad things from ever happening. As dads, the best gifts we can give to our kids are time, talk, and touch. That's how Jesus mentored his disciples all the way to the cross, just as his followers did 
Our children trust us with their lives. It is our responsibility to be the fathers they deserve to depend on and ultimately teach them to trust the Lord above all else. We never know how long we will have to communicate these lessons to our kids, but we can always start now. The last message um, I'm going to end with is from Pat. The news of Kobe passing is gut-wrenching, and it's weird to feel so connected to someone who didn't even know who I am. I've been a Laker fan all my life. I grew up in a home that had a lot of conflict, and one of the ways I could escape the strife in my home was watching sports. I loved all sports, but my favorite was, and still is, Laker basketball. When I was a kid, I had a little black-and-white TV, and I can remember hiding away in my room watching the Showtime Lakers and listening to the sweet voice of Chick Hearn. My first memory of watching the Lakers was the 87 championship. My mom divorced my first stepdad that year, and my house was almost unbearable to live in. Laker basketball had this way of breaking through the hard seasons of life and bringing me joy. Kobe came to the Lakers when I was 16, and I can remember watching him being interviewed on The Tonight Show right after he got drafted. I thought... If he can be a star on the perimeter with Shaq on the inside, we could have a title contender again. A few years later, Kobe and Shaq won their first title. I was so excited about this that I named my son, who was born the summer following the title, Kobe. I also remember the last title Kobe got with Shaq. It found me in a very different place. I was at the beginning of my divorce. I was stuck in Germany, serving in the, Germany, serving in the army while my two boys moved back to California. I was miserable, and Lakers basketball did what it always did. It brought me joy. When Kobe and Shaq won the third title, it was really early in the morning my time in Germany, like 2 a.m. early. But I was so excited, I went running through the halls of my building, hooting and hollering to the point where I got myself in trouble with my commanding officers for disturbing the peace. I earned myself extra duty for a week because of my celebration. Worth it. Kobe's toughness endeared him to me. His tenacity and will was something I strived for in the things that I would do. I remember when Shaq left the Lakers, and Kobe became unstoppable. Even though his team wasn't that good, he willed them to win. I kind of loved the two years in between the two. Sorry, I kind of loved the years in between the two championship runs, because of how Kobe elevated his game to the challenge. When the Lakers went on their second championship run, I was in a better place. I was newly married, and life was good for the first time in a long time. My wife's best friend's husband and I had to get to know one another. I remember watching games with now one of my best friends, Steve, as we would take care of his firstborn and newborn son, Landon, on Tuesday nights. Lakers basketball and Lakers basketball with Kobe Bryant always seemed to make life richer. I remember how heartbroken I was when Kobe tore his Achilles. It was the first time he wasn't invincible. I remember how it changed the Lakers and how it changed Kobe. He began, he began to give back to all young guys in the league, and it was cool to see the softer side of him. I remember his last game and how he pulled me back into all the moments of joy from his wonderful 20-year run in one night.
I remember the roar of staples. I remember hooting and hollering again and just feeling grateful that I got to be connected to the journey Kobe took through the NBA. Kobe always gave everything he had to whatever he was doing, and watching him be a father to his kids was inspiring. Kobe taught us the one that one of the only things we have to give is effort. And when you can give all of yourself to something great, to something, great things can happen. I want to love my world like Kobe loved basketball. I want to give like him. We're going to end. Um, I'm going to read what Vanessa Bryant posted yesterday. And then I am going to, we're going to play um, Kobe's poem, Dear Basketball. And we just want Kobe's voice to be the last thing you hear on this. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for entering into this time with us. Um, we hope that it has helped. We hope that you are blessed by it. We hope that you take in this time and make sure that the people around you know you love them. Mm. And that, again, the best way we can mourn and grieve for Kobe is to attack life the way Kobe attacked life. No moment was ever taken for granted. No moment was ever wasted. Pursue life the way Kobe pursued life. And that's the best way to honor him. So, yesterday, um, Vanessa Bryant, Kobe's wife, posted this on Instagram. My girls and I want to thank the millions of people who've shown support and love during this horrific time. Thank you for all the prayers. We definitely need them. We are completely devastated by the sudden loss of my adoring husband, Kobe, the amazing father of our children and my beautiful, sweet Gianna, a loving, thoughtful, and wonderful daughter, an amazing sister to Natalia, Bianca, and Capri. We are also devastated for the families who lost their loved ones on Sunday, and we share in their grief intimately. There aren't enough words to describe our pain right now. I take comfort in knowing that Kobe and Gigi both knew that they were so deeply loved. We were so incredibly blessed to have them in our lives. I wish they were here with us forever. They were our beautiful blessings taken from us too soon. I'm not sure what our lives hold beyond today, and it's impossible to imagine life without them. But we wake up each day trying to keep pushing because Kobe and our baby girl Gigi are shining on us to light the way. Our love for them is endless, and that's to say, immeasurable. I just wish I could hug them kiss them, and bless them. Have them here with us forever. Thank you for sharing your joy, your grief, and your support with us. We ask that you grant us the respect and privacy we will need to navigate this new reality. To honor our Team Mamba family, the Mamba Sports Foundation has set up the Mamba on 3 Fund to help support the other families affected by this tragedy. To donate please go to mambaon3.org. To further Kobe and Gianna's legacy in youth sports, please visit mambasportsfoundation.org. Thank you so much for lifting us up in your prayers and for loving Kobe, Gigi, Natalia, Bianca, Capri, and me.
A one-point game. basketball. From the moment I started rolling my dad's tube socks and shooting imaginary game-winning shots in the Great Western form, I knew one thing was real. I fell in love with you. A love so deep, I gave you my all. From my mind and body, to my spirit and soul. As a six-year-old boy, deeply in love with you, I never saw the end of the tunnel. I only saw myself running out of one. And so I ran. I ran up and down every court after every loose ball for you. You asked for my hustle, I gave you my heart. Because it came with so much more. I played through the sweat and the hurt. Not because challenge called me. But because you called me. I did everything for you. Because that's what you do when someone makes you feel as alive as you've made me feel. You gave a six-year-old boy his Laker dream. And I'll always love you for it. But I can't love you obsessively for much longer. This season is all I have left to give. My heart can take the pounding. My mind can handle the grind. But my body knows it's time to say goodbye. And that's okay. I'm ready to let you go. I want you to know now so we both can savor every moment we have left together. The good and the bad. We have given each other all that we have. And we both know no matter what I do next, I'll always be that kid with the rolled up socks, garbage can in the corner, Five seconds from the clock, ball in my hands. Five, four, three, two, one. Love you always, Kobe.